Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuck, Adelics? What's happening? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. I am delusional. I am punchy. I am giddy. I am at the end of my tether. I am in Australia. I made it to Australia. I'm, I'm recording this the same day I got here. I don't know when I've slept or whether slept happened or if I slept at all. I took a plane from Los Angeles. I flew into the future a day. I was on that plane for 15 hours, man. 15 hours. I freaked out at the beginning, but it's a massive plane. 747, two stories. I was flying business. I'll tell you, man, as nice as business is, somehow I managed to get the seven-year-old kid next to me who was fidgety. And his mom was at seat, was over on the, on the other side, and she asked me if I wanted to switch seats with the kid and be in the window so the kid could be close to her and, her, and his little brother. And I, you know, I kind of balked. I balked at the opportunity to get away, to tuck into the window. I thought it would be okay. And she said, well, I, I hope I don't bother you if I have to step over you to, to deal with my son. And I'm like, it should be okay. It was okay, I guess. Before we took off, I said, you want to you switch? We can switch. He's like, not really. It's up to you. And I'm like, well, do you want to be closer? To-? And then I got the sense, like, maybe the kid didn't want to be as close as, as the, the mother wanted him to be. Maybe he wanted one strange dude with a mustache in between him and the rest of his family. Sometimes that's what you need. Just a wall of a person you don't know to make you feel autonomous, to make you feel like you, you've got your own space. So I did that for that kid even though he busted my balls because I put the light on up top and I left it on so I could read. I was reading Elvis Costello's book. And uh, and he said, could you please turn on your reading light instead because it's blinding me and I'm trying to watch cartoons. The nerve. Uh, he's the kid. He's the guy complaining in business. This little man about my light choice. I did what he wanted. I did. You know what I mean? Sometimes when I just see a kid yeah, you, you know, especially a, a dude kid, a boy kid. There's part of me that just, you know, empathizes and envies the vulnerability of being that age simultaneously. You know what? Why would anyone be mean to a kid? Yeah, there's an impulse there, but then you realize like he's just a kid. He's all awkward. He doesn't even he hasn't grown into his head yet or his arms or his legs. He doesn't know what what uh you know 
the power of vaginas or whatever he chooses in life. He, you know, everything's all you know, just this constant kind of physical changes going on that are dr- you know drastic. I feel like I'm entering one. I feel like I'm entering the the physical change one enters in their mid fifties, where you know, most of your body is sort of like, all right, we're for most practical purposes, I think we're through. I think we're just going to ride it out. And then you're like, no, no, no. Gotta stay. We gotta stay. You know, tense and and taunt and 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 but loose. We have to. We have to still be vital. But your cells are sort of like, nah, not really, not really. You kind of blew the opportunity to take advantage of all that when you were younger. Now we're just going to go ahead and get lax. We're just going to lay out for a while. That's what my cells are doing today on the show. I decided to put a little more damn Pashman on because. People enjoy it. Mike Epps came by, and we talked for a while. So I did all right on the plane. It's weird when you're in a plane that big. For a while, you're like, well, I don't feel like we're really flying. And then when it does get turbulent on a 747, you're like, that must be some serious fucking wind if an airship this huge is feeling it. And then then you start going into, like, how the fuck does something this big stay in the air? And there there are answers to these things. I know there are answers. There's good science behind it and engineering and aerodynamics. I understand that. But when you're sort of in the grips of fear, you're like, this is ridiculous. And we're over the middle of the ocean. And then you get down here to Australia, and it's like, you know, I've been here before, and I just don't know. I think I slept for two hours. Then I woke up. And I ate a, a, a Cadbury bar very quickly to get the chocolate, caffeine, and sugar buzz. And then I wandered around, and I, I bought a cigar. But you're wandering around like you got hit in the head. You're wandering around like it's some sort of fucking dream. I feel like I'm in waking consciousness. And then I went and did a television show. I did The Project down here in Melbourne. I came down a day early to, to do some last-minute promoting for my shows here in Australia. For that, that'll be tonight in Sydney at the State Theater, tomorrow at the Palais Theater in uh, Melbourne. And Saturday night, we're going to go through with the Brisbane show. We shifted to a smaller venue, which will actually be more accommodating and much more exciting a show, to be honest with you. I'm glad I am I'm glad I didn't bail or wasn't pushed out of that. But I think it's going to be okay. I feel all right. I didn't meditate yet, but I'm working towards it. I wanted to let you know that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely pondering the Lorne Michaels episode. That's still in, in uh, ponder zone and uh, putting together zone and deciding what happens after that zone. But I'm here, man. I'm in Australia. I'm on an island, a huge island far away from my home. But I feel like I'm doing okay with this international traveling thing. I mean, I used to, I used to get freaked out when they would say the temperature in Celsius. There's that moment where you're like, what the, what is that? What does that mean in Fahrenheit? What does that mean where we come from? But that's better than when I used to come here where it'd be like Celsius, they're not going to understand anything I do. If 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 Celsius is where they're at, they're not going to get me at all. Special treatment. It's important, isn't it? Isn't that what we're all working towards? Just being able to go uh hi, Mark Marin. Oh, I can go right in. Thank you. I think that's what people are working towards. It's not even a celebrity thing. I think the only reason, uh, you know, Jews moved to Florida is that most of the establishments down there know that these old Jewish guys just want to be called by their first name and 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 made to feel that they have a special table waiting. Doesn't even matter how shitty the food is. If you just go, oh, how you doing, John? Yeah, we got your table. Now here's your plate full of poop. 
All right, look. My brain is 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 loose in its cradle because of this flight to Australia. I don't know if I'm even dreaming this. I hope this makes the show. But I wanted to do this because me and Dan Pashman, we go back and uh, and the, the segment we did last week, people loved it. So I wanted to put up some more of my conversation with Dan Pashman. Doesn't seem to matter what we even talk about, what the topic is. We can always find something to argue about. Isn't it nice to have somebody like that in your life that doesn't live nearby? Thank God Dan lives in New York. But I'll tell you, if you like this stuff, you should check out Pashman's podcast, The Sporkful. He's got some live Sporkful episodes coming to Boston and to Brooklyn with guests like Mike Kaplan and John Hodgman. Just go to sporkful.com to uh, to find out more. Okay? And now I'm going to give you a little more of me and Dan Pashman doing what me and Dan Pashman do, which is argue over bullshit sometimes i wish i paid more attention in school or in some cases any attention at all there are probably a lot of things i could have gotten more out of like literature and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics but luckily for us there's a new podcast called the foxed page that dives deep into the best books of all time this is basically like the best possible college english class but more relaxed and fun no pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts it i don't like granola just regular granola it's always too sweet yeah i don't right granola granola is one of the great scams that's been perpetrated on people in that really like crack yeah no everyone knows what crack is right people think the granola is healthy and it's really more like candy Right. It's like many of the bars that we yeah, are. Granola bars are candy bars. Sure. No, we, we know 99% that. 99% of the yeah. time. No, yeah. we know that. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, this is one I want to get your take on that a lot of people have been asking me about lately. Really? This is a hot topic with you? Big. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's tearing up. There was there might have been a tweet about it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are up in arms over where to draw the line about the correct definition of a sandwich. Well, I, I'm not a big sandwich guy, but I'm sure I have opinions on it. Do you think... A hot dog is a sandwich. You're nodding your head no? Like you, you're, you're, you're trying to bait me. You asked me that question as you were nodding no, like, uh, like I'm playing along with you. Because my, my, my first impulse when he said that, when I pictured it, I was like, oh yeah, it is a sandwich. Okay. Why? Well, some people are arguing that it's not a sandwich. A lot of people are arguing that it's not a sandwich. And and John the, Hodgman called me out on his podcast just the other day because he's arguing uh, that it is is not a sandwich. Mm-hmm. He, he says that it's a unity. You would never cut it in half. Therefore, it's not a sandwich. Right. He says a sandwich is something you would cut in half. Mm. He says by that logic, a cheeseburger is not a sandwich. Oh wait, a sandwich is something you can cut in half. Right. He says that a hot dog is its own thing. It's its own category because you would never cut it in half. What's the history of the hot dog? Have you done any research? I imagine it was like some sort of evolution of sausages yeah. and a way to eat them more practically. Uh, it was probably an American thing to add the roll. 
Yes, but like my definition of a sandwich, I, I look to the Earl of Sandwich. Who invented, oh, really? Yes, who invented the sandwich. You know, and, and so I, I look to the way he defined the sandwich. Yes, how did he define it? Well, I mean, he didn't define it, but like he 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 wanted a food that he could pick up a, a hunk of meat and put it between two pieces of bread and eat it with his hands. Yeah. So, like, I'm a strict constructionist. Uh huh. I've been dubbed the Scalia of sandwiches. Oh, that's, I don't know if that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any liberals on the court? Well, they're called the, they're they're, they're the um, the living sandwichdom contingent. They believe that the definition of a sandwich evolves over time and changes with the times. So, okay. to me, the definition of a sandwich is you got to be able to pick it up. And eat it without your hands touching the fillings. Wait, where do you stand on the Monte Cristo? That's a sandwich. Yeah. It's like two pieces of French toast, right? Right, but that's like, well, what if you want to put a little syrup on there? It's kind of hard to pick up French toast, isn't it? It's like sticky and eggy sometimes. I mean, it, it can you be- You can't really pick it up. It could be a messy sandwich. Yeah, but I don't know if they're really made to be picked up, Monte Cristo. What, do you eat it with a fork and knife? Yeah. No? I, I mean, I wouldn't. Have, when was the last time you had a Monte Cristo? 12 years ago. Okay. At what about TGI this? Fridays. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe they didn't make it right. All right, fine. fine. <laughs> How about this? I worked at a deli. They made a sandwich that was a two uh, potato latkes with brisket in the middle. That's a sandwich. You, you're going to pick up potato latkes? Sure. Oh, well, how do you normally eat potato latkes? With a knife and fork. I, 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 what, do, I, how do you eat pancakes? Do you just put your face in them? <laughs> But a pancake is much bigger than a latke, and it's much, and it's floppy. A potato latke, oh, but, the, but a latke can be many sizes. I've seen some pretty big fucking latkes. I mean, look, if it's the size of a plate and it's an inch thick, then I suppose maybe then you're, you're talking about the up. little silver dollar latkes. Yeah, that, and most latkes I've seen are are like the size of a chip. Now, no. maybe a little bit bigger. All right. Well, okay. So, what's your point? My point is that people need to understand the, what what is and is not a sandwich. So, a hot dog's a sandwich. I th- I would argue that it is. What about a burrito? No, it's not a sandwich. Thank you. It's a burrito. Uh, right. It's a wrap. No, it's a burrito. Wraps are post burrito. A burrito is a type of wrap. No, a burrito is a burrito. Wraps were invented by some idiot who said, why can't we make a sandwich like a burrito? <laughs> it's just that we came up with an, an English word to describe a type of food that existed for a very long time. Like all over the world, there's foods that are wrapped dude, in something. Dude, dude, dude. A burrito is a burrito. Okay? A wrap is a wrap. What verb would you- You don't call a burrito a wrap. You're like racist. <laughs> <laughs> what verb would you use to describe the act of assembling a burrito? Rolling up stuff in a tortilla. Would you also say that it's accurate to say that you wrap up nope. a burrito? Nope. Why not? Because you don't. I would never use the word wrap for anything. I, even for a wrap, I'd say you're rolling stuff up. So a wrap is a sandwich to you? No, no, a wrap is a wrap. Right, because and, and a burrito is a wrap, and pancake. burritos until recently were not meant to be uh, eaten with your hands. How are they meant to be eaten? On a plate. If it, no, burrito is a classic snack or street food type thing. No, you it's not. Your hands. No, it's not. A taco is a classic street food. Burritos, I think, traditionally most of the time are served wet with sauce on them on a plate. That's what I believe. Well, it depends on LA San Fr- versus San Francisco style. Well, San Francisco burrito is different. Then you wrap it in the tinfoil. What did you say? You do what with you it? You wrap Mark? a burrito in tinfoil. Uh-huh. You wrap a burrito <laughs> in tinfoil. That's what tinfoil does. It wraps things. If you wrap. Tortillas don't wrap things. You're wrapping it in a tortilla. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> thin. Oh, thin. you walked right into that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, the funny thing that's great about you is that you, at some point in a moment, you decide you've won something. <laughs> And then, 
And then there's no real discussion of uh, foils for rapping. What I think I think it's interesting, especially because I've run into a lot of resistance because the word rap is associated with sort of like shitty American like sandwich wraps that I get like those are often crappy. And and there's so many amazing burritos, especially out here on the West Coast. Right. So people get upset because they think of the word rap. It defines this like shitty American food that was invented in the 80s. Yeah. And therefore, it's an insult to really good burritos. Mm-hmm. But you need to separate your negative opinions about shitty American sandwich wraps and just look at it from a, a lexicological yeah, I know, but, perspective. But, but, that, but why homogenize it? Why can't you just let a burrito be a burrito? Why do, if we're just talking about terms for the types of food, like, like just terminology, just classifying foods, because I think this is important because like when you look on a menu, words need to mean something. We use words to explain foods and that's important. And so- my point is, forget what you're putting inside it. Yeah. Like, there's a million different things you can put inside a sandwich. It's still a sandwich. Yeah. There's a million different things you can put inside a wrap. It's still a wrap. Peking duck, when it's all wrapped up, is a wrap. Have you had a Peking duck wrap? That term is redundant. Why? Because when you have Peking duck, it is wrapped. Like, a, like to, to say, oh, I'm going to eat a burrito wrap. You wouldn't say I'm going to eat a burrito wrap. You just say I'm going to eat a burrito. Right. But it's understood, by me at least, that a burrito is a type of wrap. Fine. So if you're looking to categorize things, and you, but a Peking duck is not a wrap. You're, it's served with little pancakes. Right. But once you, once you wrap it up well, in the pancake, more of a taco. that becomes a wrap. Kind of more of taco feel. A soft taco wrap. Yeah. Not a wrap. I don't know what you <laughs> hung up on. Well, you, is this a new chapter? <laughs> um, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about, uh-huh. which like so you and I uh, got that got a slice of pizza yeah. in Huntington before your your gig there, and, yeah. And you were telling me about it was some LA pizza place you were dissatisfied with. And yeah, you that up. got me in trouble. <laughs> so what happened? Tell me about it. They actually stepped up their game. The last time I had a slice there, it was better. But I, I ultimately ended just alienating my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> like it just it was just bad vibes. So what? It, so what did you? Because like, people like that place. Right. The thing is, is, like pizza becomes this weird personal thing, and I don't think that culturally pizza is as important to Angelinos as it is to New Yorkers or people from Chicago. I think that really that's where that happens. Everything else kind of grows from there. Like either you're going to get deep dish or you're not. You can get Sicilian or you're not, or you can get you know just a regular slice. And now there's you know, these wood oven pizzas and stuff. But there is this sort of like idea of what a slice should be in New York. And there is an idea of what a deep dish pizza should be in Chicago. And that's where they're invented. Yeah. Everything sort of kind of pales to that, no matter how much they try. I don't know if it's water or what, or if it's just my disposition. But what I'm saying is that he, people out here don't know better. Right. And if they are New Yorkers, they're like, well, it's close enough. I'm like, I don't know, is it? You know, right. yeah. Something that I find so interesting about regional foods, like I, I certain ones, like I get why you can't get great lobster in Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, it's frozen, <laughs> right? Tails, but like, but I, they show live ones get shipped, and they have tanks in some places. Yeah, but you know, like uh, for the foods where freshness is really an issue, sure. like I, I, I can understand that. But things like barbecue or pizza, I, I, I don't understand. You know, like every once in a while, and you know, uh, like I don't understand why. Like, there, there's obviously a lot of people in LA. There's a lot of transplanted New Yorkers. Yeah. I don't understand why 
somewhat. I mean, I hear this pizzeria Moza is amazing in in uh, here in LA. It's Nancy Silverton place. I've been there. It's supposed to be great. But like, I don't understand why why certain regional food. Well, sometimes can't- it's water. The complaint out here about bagels and why New York bagels are so much better is that there's something about the water. I and interviewed it- a bagel historian who looked into that. And- she said it's unlikely. <laughs> she talked to a scientist well, in then Kansas. Well, then they got to figure this shit out. Well, but what she exa- said is that it's more to do with the fact that you have this high... It's almost sort of like a free market thing. Like, because there's more competition and more experience and more of a tradition there, you get the best people there and the expectations of the customers are higher. Right, and also the there's competition turnover. is greater. Right. And there's also a palate for it. That, like, you know, like, eventually people get used to garbage you know, there's plenty of people that are like, I like Einstein's bagels the best. I'm like, really? really? Do you? Right. So it is about sort of like expectation and eventually people are like, well, this is the best we can do here. But, but right. But I, I would but I think- I won't get barbecue, really. I don't get barbecue in places that aren't known for barbecue. I know right. there's a million, but, but I won't do it. But all the time you hear this story of like, you know, oh, this guy went down to Texas no, I know, and I know. trained for a year yeah. and, he brought, okay. and he brought the smoker with him and then he still can't. That's because it's like, I, I hate to break it to you, a lot of food is about presentation and environment. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's not about just sort of like, you know, knowing the skill necessarily. Like, you know, when I drive out to Opie's and when I'm in Austin and everyone goes to Lockhart to one of those, to Black's or Smitty's or to- uh, Kreitz, Kreitz Market is the other one in Lockhart. Kreitz, yeah. Right. Or they go out to uh, the Salt Lake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I'll go the other way to Spicewood just because some woman who was actually a food critic in in Austin for a million years like turned me on to Opie's and I'll drive the other way to Spicewood and there's nothing out there. And about thirty minutes into your drive, you pull up on this place. It looks like a barn, and you go in and they've got free beans, butter beans, regular beans, the bread, all the fixings there. And you walk in and there's an old smoker that's not in operation, but they take the cooked meats and throw them in there. So you walk in, it's like an open casket. Like, as you walk in, <laughs> someone comes up and opens it, and you see all the meat they have for the day. There's a fucking slab of brisket, bunch of ribs, whatever. What do you want? And then they'll take it with a giant fork, and they'll walk it over to the scales and hit it. And for me, the experience of that, and and being and it's all served on paper wrappers, and I know that a lot of places do that, and I know a lot of pe- people love Franklin's, but you get to a certain level of brisket, certainly in that area, where it's all pretty high. Right? right, and the other things that you know. Then you're talking about sides, and you're talking about desserts, and then you're talking about the the ribs. And some places don't have beef ribs; some places do. But for me, the experience of driving to Opie's and coming upon it, and knowing that it's not a, a lot of people go that way because they're going to go the other way, is uh, is is it? Get it you want to feel like you know something that other people don't. And you have a place you go to loyalty. There's something to be said about it, and some of that defines your taste. And if you're loyal to something that 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 is good and does have integrity, I mean, it, it's almost like a belief system. So how are you can argue with that? It's like saying there's no God, you know. I, I just don't understand why why these regional foods at this point in culture and technology can't be replicated far from where they originated. And, and yes, you're right. No, like, I think they probably It's probably can. never going to be the same. Like, I get it. Like, you know, n- nothing in LA or New York or almost any other place is going to be the same as driving uh, half an hour through the middle of nowhere in Texas and coming upon a barn and having them open up. The th- like, that's a magical experience. Like, you're right. never going to get that experience. I think a lot of that is magic. I think that, in that a lot of people know that, you know, where you get sort of presentation. And, and even when you go to restaurants where you're like, that's the whole meal, you can't even understand why it's so rich and satisfying if it's really beautifully done. There's a lot about presentation and about environment that 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 is all part of the culinary experience. And there's all different levels of that. 
uh, and I'm not saying that some of these places that pop up with the guy who did trained with the guy and brought the smoker and all that stuff, you know, isn't, you know, great. But a lot of times it really comes down to turnover. Like, you know, if you open a barbecue place and you're not selling a brisket every day and that thing's sitting around for three days, you know, it, it might not be that good after a while. It starts to dry out. So I think a lot of times it's relative to that. How much food do they want to throw out? How much are they really serving? That's why delis uh, New York only work in New York because there's an actual market for it. And they, you know, they can go through two, you know, two things of brisket, two corned beefs a day and everything's fresh that morning. It means something. Yeah, I think I'm going to go get a wrap, by mm-hmm. which I mean burrito. Don't you... You want to come? Not if you're going to talk like that about <laughs> about ethnic ethnic people. I'm going to Allen B's in Boyle Heights. What is that? It's an amazing burrito place. Evan Kleiman from the podcast uh, Good Food turned me on to it. She's here in LA. Yeah. And um, they've been around since the 60s, third generation, and they got refried beans, best refried beans i ever had in my life. Oh, yeah? I cook them for like 16 hours. See, that's good. That See, that that's- And in- you can't get that anywhere else. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so I feel I feel like we agreed more than disagreed. It's all right. That's good. I think that's good for our relationship. Yeah, but don't call it a wrap. I dare you to go to Allen B's and go. Can, can I have the wrap? <laughs> Are you going to do that? Uh, probably not. You're definitely not. Right. Right, which means that the whole wrap thing's bullshit. I do think that it's an appropriate classification, but like burrito is a more specific term than wrap. Wrap is an umbrella term. Burrito is specific, so you wouldn't go to a burrito joint and say, "Can I have a wrap?" That's like going to a cheeseburger, a burger place and saying, can I have a sandwich? A burger's a type of sandwich. All right. Well, you know what? What? It's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Mark. Take it easy, buddy. And if you want to hear more of that, folks, I'm on one of the latest episodes of the Sporkful Podcast, and you'll hear a lot of great stuff on there, like Dan doing his thing with Ron Funches and Jim Gaffigan and Wyatt Cenac and a lot more. All right, check it out. Check it out at sporkful.com. I did watch a couple movies again on the plane. I watched The Departed again. And I think this is the third time, and I like it much better. I think I kind of have pulled the whole story together. I couldn't seem to, uh, to pull it all together. You know, DiCaprio, Matt Damon, great actors. And that woman, what's her name? Famiglia or from, what's her name? Vera Farmiga. That's her name. Those scenes with her and those two guys, fucking outstanding. And then I watched Wolf of Wall Street again. Holy shit. I remember talking about the movie when it came out. I still love it. I love it every time I see it. Just this greed-fueled, cash, testosterone, fucking insanity. And DiCaprio is great again. Why am I doing movie reviews of movies that are years old? Does it matter? Does it matter? Jack Nicholson in The Departed. Little clownish. Little clownish. All right, so those are some fresh, relevant movie reviews for you. Mike Epps came by. He's currently in the show Survivor's Remorse on Stars. Uh, you know, he's a guy that you know started in comedy, and now he's going to be playing Richard Pryor. And uh, I think we we did all right in the garage. So this is me and Mike Epps talking in the garage. I, I don't think we've ever met before. No, I, I know you though. I know you too. But I mean, I saw I the last time I saw you, I think you were driving up. Uh, uh, I left, but as I was, I was on the patio of the comedy store, and I think you drove up in something that looked like a rocket. 
Oh, what was it? What know. was that what car? The, I don't know. Come on, the, was it a Ferrari? What was that? Probably thing? a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> How many cars you got? I got about. I got about. I got about seven cars. You like cars? I like cars. That Mustang you just pulled up in, yellow. Yeah, yellow, yellow Mustang. Is that a V eight? Uh, I don't know what the. That's a rental car right there. Because <laughs> I flew in um to L A yesterday and um I needed to be somewhere and I live. Way in the valley. Right. And I just got a rental car. <laughs> I said, fuck it. I'm just, so I could take care of the stuff I need to take care of, and then I'm out. Oh, because you got to leave again? I leave out on Thursday nights. Yeah. And I go do stand-up on a weekend, and then I come back on Monday, and then I'm... How's the, uh, how's the stand-up? Man, I've been doing it so long, Mark. I know. I, I, got a, I got a TV show coming up now on ABC called uh, Uncle Buck. They're doing another Uncle Buck? Well, they're doing a black Uncle Buck. A black Uncle Buck. Finally. Black finally got a black Uncle Buck. We got a black all in the family, and now we got a black Uncle Buck. <laughs> you and, and uh, Gerard Carmichael. Yeah. What Are you Uncle Buck? I'm Uncle Buck. Really? Yeah. You're fucking working hard, dude. I'm trying, man. What do you got, mean you're trying? You're in everything. I got so many kids now, and I just, I got to ride through the hood and wave shit. <laughs> How many kids? I got a. Uh, I got four now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not you, bad. You planning on more? Four and a possible. Yeah. Like a space game. Okay. <laughs> so what? Well, I just. Uh, I don't do a lot of research, but I just got online. What the fuck happened in Phoenix? Oh man, some dude was drunk, and um, you know. Yeah. You know some. That's what happens at these comedy shows sometimes. You, yeah. You, you can't control what happens. Man. I know. So you just did it. You're just. Because I don't know who's coming in the to see me you know i know that club though you did the tuesday night where you do a door deal and just go try some shit out and they open the room up that no. was it a, well no it was a weekend yeah it was a weekend oh really yeah and you just you said it pretty like not even that insulting right what nah, you, i just said you you called just, him hootie and the blowfish and the guy got that you don't know what the hell people are going through on any given nah, day you don't man what they're bringing into the room no nah, you don't and i mean you know and then I, you stepped away and shit got you know crazy well, he stepped away and it yeah. got crazy. You know? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. But everything know. worked out? He's all right? You yeah. don't know? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'm here with Mark Myron, baby. <laughs> Where did you start out, dude? I started out, um, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, originally. Really? And I start. yeah, I started out, I started out there. And I remember, then, the, was that Chicken Patty's Club? Did you know them? Uh-uh. Oh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, they had that club downtown, very long room, the Comedy Connection, maybe it was called back in the day. Crackers. Crackers and Broad Ripple. I know that place. They had that place, too. That's where I used to get down at. Oh, Crack really? Crackers, yeah. So you grew up in Indianapolis? Uh-huh. How many people in the family? I got seven brothers and one sister. Holy shit. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't really start eating real good meals until I got grown, until <laughs> I could afford my own. And where are you in the lineup? In the middle. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's better than the either end, I guess. It is. So you got a brother that's like, what, 70? <laughs> He's in his mid two hundreds, <laughs> and then I got a little brother that's my young. My oldest brother's uh, fifty four, yeah, and my youngest is thirty something. So yeah, and you're in touch with all of them. Yeah, I talk to them. I mean, as of lately, I haven't been in touch with them because they want money all the time. So is that true? Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, they can't help the relationship. Uh, they can't help it being. I gotta ask him for something. Right, right. You're There's doing no way 
that yeah. they're gonna be be in touch with me and not really. Yeah, is that? But that must get a little annoying. I guess you you seem to have you have some empathy about it. You understand it. I do. Yeah, I understand it. And um, but you know, I don't I don't allow it to go on. Right. You know? <laughs> they got me these first couple years when I got in show business, and now I'm like I'm grown and. Hey man, I ain't got no extra money. Shit. Right, there's no extra money. I, you know, I've built a life that requires money now. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and the tax man requires money. <laughs> it's like that Richard Pryor bit. There, I always like that one line where he goes back to a Peoria and all the people that used to hang out at the at the place where they go, "You got a dollar? <laughs> yeah. Give me a dollar. Yeah, you're still doing that shit. You used yeah, to do you're right. still doing that same <laughs> yeah. shit you used to do around right. here. Yeah, give yeah. me a dollar. Yeah, give me a dollar." <laughs> I always thought that was like a, a pretty astute bit. It is. So when did you start doing it? How old were you? Probably about 18. Yeah? And what what made you do it? What what inspired you to do stand Well, I was always a class clown, you know. Yeah. And so I didn't graduate from high school, so. You didn't? You bailed? I bailed out. Why? Uh, it wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, school is, uh, teachers breast smell like coffee every day and- <laughs> You're not supposed to be kissing the teachers. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> and they, they're they sitting there teaching me stuff that I'm like, am I really going to need this shit when right. I get grown? Yeah. And uh, now I really need it. <laughs> what? You need algebra? I need life? all of it. You know, that's really crazy. My mother told me. She was like, go to school. I was like, why? She said, because you're going to need that later on in life. And I'm like, okay. Wait, what do you think you, you don't have? Um... I could tell you what I could tell. I tell kids this all the time. I'm like, you know what? School teaches you about it. It's it's life. Yeah. Because now that I'm an adult and I'm in show business, it's the same shit. Yeah. It feels like a big high school. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's and cliques then, and there's people out to get you. Oh, and there's man. bullies and there's uh, oh, a man. couple of people you can trust and then they go away. It's really life. High school prepares you for that. Oh, yeah. It never ends. High school never fucking ends. Never it's, ends. It's even man. worse now because people can gossip on uh, Twitter. Yeah. So, like, now that you're going to high school, the high school's like, uh, you know, three million people. And you never know which fucker is out to get you. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So, you you drop out what? 11th grade? 10th? 9th. <laughs> you, made it, you made it like half a year and you're like, yeah, fuck this. I couldn't do it, man. Did you work? I tried. I tried, tried to, to work. work a couple jobs. Yeah, it was it was it was really dead in, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then I tried I tried to hang in the streets a little bit. Yeah, weren't cut out for it. wasn't cut out for it. Yeah, what happened? Uh, went to prison. Did you? Yeah. How old were you? Eighteen. For what? Nineteen. Selling drugs. Oh yeah. yeah. Which one? Wanted to be a drug dealer. Cocaine. Yeah. So you were, you were selling coke for some other dude, and you took the and dealer. you got you got hit. Yeah, that's what made me leave town. I ended up owing this guy a bunch of money. Yeah. And he was looking for me. So, you know, I had a comedy competition one night at this place called, um, it was a place called, uh, what was the name of that place? In Indianapolis? In Indianapolis. Yeah. It was a bar and grill. Uh-huh. And my buddy, rest in peace, Otis Brown, he said, you know what? You funny around the barbershop in the neighborhood i bet you can't do that shit on stage i said i bet i can he said i'm gonna take you up to this contest they having every night yeah it was at this place called club seville's and that was what it was and i went up there and it was a bar and grill and it was like 12 comics and everybody was drunk in the audience and they booed everybody off uh-huh so i signed up i was like the 13th act i got drunk because i wanted to kill my inner ambition 
Because, you know, if you get drunk, you say some shit that you normally wouldn't say when you're normal. When yeah, you're, you're not afraid. You're not afraid. Right. And what happened? Killed it? I killed it. Really? I came back what? the next day, the next week. Yeah. Not drunk. Uh-huh. With a suit on. <laughs> invited my whole neighborhood, family. Yeah. yeah. And got booed off. <laughs> They was like, go get drunk and come back. Take the suit off. I was you, like, oh, shit. Do you remember being up there? What did you just see? Tell the audience to shut the fuck up and listen? Oh, man. I couldn't do nothing. They booed the shit out of me. But no, on the first time, what was it? You just caught Oh, me? yeah. The first time, I was just drunk, and I was just, I don't even remember what I said, but I had people on the floor. Yeah. And then the second time, I came back trying to celebrate, and- uh, Yeah, the, the pressure was on. Yeah, the pressure was on. Then. Yeah, that shit was crazy. <laughs> I shouldn't have invited them assholes. What I not on the did. second time. I didn't. I don't think I told my parents to come till I was five years <laughs> in. <laughs> I'm gonna make that fucking mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So they can go like, you're not. You're nothing. Yeah, nothing. You can't do nothing. You ain't shit. Yeah. How much time did you do in prison? About eighteen months. Yeah. Yeah. Was it juvie? Well, I did some juvie time when I was younger, like yeah. fourteen, and then uh, when I yeah, I went to this place called Indiana Youth Center, which. Uh-huh. Same prison Mike Tyson was in. Was he there at the time? No. Was that his claim to fame? Thank Mike God. Mike was here? <laughs> nah, he came after yeah, me. Uh, <laughs> you already graduated. Yeah, but what's really crazy, the judge who sentenced him sentenced me. Her name was Patricia Gifford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, do you ever, have you ever, have you reached out to her just to say like, how I don't do I doing now? I want to see this hag ever in life. <laughs> Fuck you, Patricia, if you're listening to this. <laughs> but that, did that teach you a lesson at least? Yeah, I haven't been back. Do you feel that uh, that comedy like kind of you know saved your life? It did, man. You know, comedy is. Uh, I tell kids all the time. I'm like, you know, find your purpose. Yeah, in life because it can save your life. And most people who get in trouble and people who fail in life, they really don't find their purpose. You know, everybody has a talent. Right. You just have to find it. <laughs> yeah, and accept it when it when it's. A lot of people find their talent and say, oh, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, that's your calling. Yeah. You know? They're scared of their calling. They want to do some shit that's not their calling. Right. You know? Yeah. So after the second time you went up with the suit, what what made you, did you feel at that moment, you're like, this is it? Even though you you bombed that night, you're like, I'm going to keep working. Yeah, I went back the next week and I was good. Yeah. So um, I got on a bus. Got on a Greyhound bus and moved to Running Atlanta. from the guy you owed money to. Yeah. That was really the reason? Yeah. How much did you owe him? Shit. <laughs> 7500 or something. Oh, so shit. some real money? Yeah. Like, fuck. He was riding past my mother's house. Real? <laughs> he was nice to my mother, but... Uh, but in that way that people... He was trying to get information him. from her. Hey, yeah. Miss Reed, how you doing? Have yeah. you seen Mike? Like, <laughs> did you ever, oh, I haven't seen him. Did you ever, did you ever make that right? Yeah. Oh, you did. That's I came cool. back years later and made it right. Now he's asking me for money. I'm like, dude, I paid you back twice. <laughs> There's no more fucking money. So, okay, so you go to Atlanta, and what, that's where it starts? Yeah. Um, you know, Def Comedy Jam at the time was inspirational to me, so. Who were the guys that you looked up to? I didn't really look up to none of them. I liked Eddie Murphy, Richard yeah. Pryor, you know. Yeah. But those guys definitely paved the way for me. The Cedric the Entertainer, the Chris Tucker, the Steve Harvey's of the world. Tucker lives down there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him recently at a, like I was doing that little room. They have that laughing skull 
at the at the Vortex Burger place. Yeah. On Peachtree, right downtown. It seats like seventy five people. Damn. And I yeah, it was just a it's a good workout room, but I was doing a, a week there and he came in to do guest spots. I hadn't seen him in years. Damn. It was right because he's sort of coming back now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But he was just getting back into it and it was like, holy shit. He's yeah. still got the he's still got the energy, man. Yeah, it takes. It, it, I think a I think a real comic, man. You never rev, you never lose that, right? You you, you, you lose get, it. You get scared. Yeah, and then you got to get past the scared again. Yeah, you, you know, like if you don't do it a while, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, it's like doing open mics again, but you get up there and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah, I can do this. And that's how comedy is, man. Comedy is a comedy. I've I've always related comedy to being a a chick yeah because it's like uh you have to spend time with her (laughs) and if you leave her she will leave you Mm -hmm. and to get her back you have to work hard yeah and and hopefully get her back and and do some new stuff do stuff differently yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. comedy's my bitch Uh uh-huh so you got involved with def jam yeah i started doing def comedy jam and uh went on tour started doing dates and then I moved to California and auditioned for next Friday. With Ice Cube? With Ice Cube. So what was it like to, you know, come out? So how long have you been doing comedy before you come out here? Uh, mm, were you established? Seven years. So seven. were you making money doing comedy? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But you weren't a draw? No. And you were touring with uh, Def Comedy Jam or just on your own? Def Comedy Jam. Who was on those bills with you? Uh, talent? Yeah. You know Talent? <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> it's just comedy. No, talent wasn't on the shows. It was like me, Joe Claire. Yeah. It was a guy named Zoo Man. Zoo Man. Remember Zoo Man? I, I know the name. What happened to Zoo Man? Hey, man, you know, <laughs> this fucking business right here, boy. Woo. <laughs> Who it knows? Has, yeah, you never know what, like, you know, you just. You remember Reggie McFadden? That was my man. Yeah. Oh, you guys were buddies? Reggie McFadden. I used I, to love that guy. I used to see Reggie on Def Jam before I even got in it. He was funny, man. He was. Yeah, like, I don't know what, like, because I used to see him in New York. That's where I started. So I used to see him at the cellar and shit. And I always thought he was so fucking funny. And then, like, years go by, I didn't see him. And then someone was like, I think he owns an island. I think he's like, like, I don't know where he is. But, like, the last time I saw him, he was talking about diamond mines. and Yeah, gold, he like, tried to sell that shit to me. <laughs> What, did you even know what it was? I didn't know. He and called got, me out of the blue one day talking about it. I'm like, dude. <laughs> what? I gotta pay the tax, man. I ain't got no fucking diamond And he's money. got like a bunch of kids and like three or four wives. I don't remember what the mythology was. I don't know what's true and what isn't. But, hey, Reggie. Reggie was funny, though, man. He, he was, was really funny. You know, and that's the thing, Mark. I don't understand, you know, I think a lot of comics, performers in itself, they, 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 they expect to land something yeah in their in their career mm-hmm. and when they don't do it in the time that they want to do it they just say fuck it really i've i've, I've also seen the other thing happen where they don't say fuck it and they just kind of just keep pushing on yeah and you know doing those b rooms and, and still hanging on to the dream it gets, yeah it's i think it's more uh sad man right it's a little more respectable to say fuck it sometimes yeah. I guess so, but Reggie looked like he was happening for Reggie a while. was funny as hell, man. Yeah. I remember seeing Reggie, man. I mean, having people on the floor, literally, like yeah. people bent over. Yeah, he did that thing about the uh, about the intercom at his building. You yeah. remember, like you know, like it's all uh-huh. fucked up. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's just someone just fucks it up because they hate living there. It was funny. He was funny, man. So you used to tour with him a bit. No, I never toured with Reggie. You just knew him. 
Just no. So you're in it seven years. You come out here. You get representation. Yep. Got an agent. Got a manager. You still with that guy? Nah. <laughs> that was it. No. I didn't been through ninety agents, ninety managers. You know you're, how this shit well, is. Well, I do, but you're. I mean, you're a pusher, man. I mean, you really are. You know, keep going. Yeah. Like, cause you. Like, it's amazing if you really look at your resume, just how much shit you've done and how much you've popped up in to get to where you are. It wasn't no easy, oh, easy thing. So you auditioned for Ice Cube, and what was that like, meeting him? It was cool, man. I had been a fan of his, you know, in NWA. To see him in person, man, I was really starstruck. I was like, damn, Ice Cube. Yeah. And then I did I did three movies with him. I did yeah. All About the Benjamins, Next Friday, and Friday After Next. And right. I did a movie called Janky Promoters with him that actually didn't come out. So it didn't come out at all? Came out on DVD. Uh-huh. But you guys are buddies? Yeah, you know we cool. You know we 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 cool. You know we we don't we the, we the kind of friends. We don't talk all the time, but we've done enough movies and stuff. We got enough history with each other where we yeah real yeah. cool with each other. When you see each other, everything's yeah. all right. But well, I don't I don't bug him. You know, <laughs> I don't think he he's not the kind of guy I think you want to bug for any reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after all about the measurements, you went on and you you do you were one of those guys that always show up in movies. Yeah, uh-huh. it's Mike Epps. It was Mike Epps again. Cameo. Yeah. But sometimes, like, if you get that right cameo and you really nail it, it's a big deal, right? Like The Hangover. Right. The, what was it, the first one? Yeah. Yeah. And the third one. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, that guy. Black Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Was it fun working with those guys? It was cool. I tell people all the time, man, when we did that movie, it was like, uh, nobody knew that movie was going to be as big as it was. Right. Because nobody really knew who Bradley Cooper was or- Nobody knew who Zach was. It just blew up. What's that director's name? Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. He's he's like he rolls the dice. That dude. He rolls. I'm sorry. It's all right, buddy. Am I draining you? No, 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 no. My energy. My energy does that. Around what time? This time? Any time? Oh, really? Like I? Yeah. It's like I don't zapped. No, I'm not tired. My I just get like yeah. You know. I know there's that weird yawn. That's not because you're. I'll tired be on too. TV doing that shit, and I have to stop and be like, <laughs> they're like, damn, am I boring? I'm like, oh no, hell no. I stayed up till five this morning. <laughs> you were up till five. Hell yeah. What are you doing? Shit, I went to um, I went to the screening of uh, Black Mass last night. Oh shit, is it good? Gangster. Really? Woo. Really? I recommend people to go see it. Oh fuck, man! I I mean, I love that story. And 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 dude was, I mean, Depp, uh, oh, man, good, crazy, really. Oh, I'm fucking. You got to see that I'm movie, psyched, man. dude. Gangster, really? Oh man, is it as good as American Gangster? Uh, in the same line. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's gonna be fucking great. I love those stories, man. I do too. The true stories. I couldn't wait to see them. Yeah. Who else is in it? You remember Kevin Bacon? How's he? Great. He's always good, right? Good. He played the opposite side of what he usually played. Uh huh. He wasn't a bad guy this time. Did he they was... go into the whole brothers? You know the Bulger brothers? Yes. Like, oh man, I'm fucking psyched. You better go see it. I I want to see everybody it now. should go see it. Yeah. Did you like Straight Outta Compton? I. You know what? Yeah. I Ice Cube invited me to his room one time. Yeah. Um, and I watched half of it, and I haven't wanted to seen it yet, but I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen half of it. Did you like it? I did. Yeah, it was so, you know, it was good for me. And there's also a question for you is that because I didn't really know that world, like because I wasn't, they weren't prominent personalities in my memory, it was all new to me. So I couldn't be like, nah, Dre wouldn't really look like that. Or, they, you know, like they all looked enough so it like was good them. for you. Right. Like, because I didn't bring any of that baggage to it. And, you know, you got to play Richard Pryor. 
Everybody knows Richard Pryor. That's going to be a hell of a fucking chore, dude. Woo. Are you fucking ready? I'm born ready. <laughs> I'm born ready. How'd you get that? Tell, walk me through the, the, the audition process of that fucking thing. I got chose to play Richard Pryor, Pryor about 10 years ago. He picked me to play him. You had a relationship with him? Him and his wife, yeah. When he was sick? Yeah, I went to his house sit with him for a year. With the second and last wife? <laughs> the yeah. one that was back. Yeah. The double up. Yeah. Went and sat with him. Wait, so, okay, wait. So you see him. Well, how do you know you? You saw him at the comedy store or something? Because I, I mean. I think his wife initially picked me. Uh-huh. For this movie or for a movie? For To play Richard Pryor. In general. In general. He's just like, you're going to be the Richard Pryor guy. So you sit with Richard. He's in a wheelchair. And what's he say to you? He's not talking because mm. he has multiple sclerosis. Mm. So, so a, it was way into it. Yeah, he yeah. was speaking through his eyes, mm -hmm. which was really, really crazy. And oh, man. Cool because uh, I could tell some days he didn't want to be bothered. Some days he did. They sat you down and they said you're going to be the guy. But there was no project necessarily. There was no project. <laughs> They had a script. They had a script, and they 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 got a guy named Bill Condon. I don't know that guy's name. He directed Dreamgirls, right, right, a bunch of movies. Yeah, and I guess Bill didn't see that. I guess he didn't. I wasn't his pick, right? And um, they picked Marlon Wayans to do it. This is ten years ago. Mm hmm. Oh, so this, okay. And movie never happened. So now this now it comes around again for real. Richard's past. Is his wife involved in this script? Yes. She is. Every script. Uh-huh. She's What's her name again? Jennifer Pryor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's uh you know, she's the beneficiary of Richard Pryor. Yeah. So anybody that does anything about Richard Pryor gotta go through her. And what's your relationship with her? Good? She's cool. Good. Yeah. Well at, at one point she was upset with me, you know. Uh but Lee Daniels came on to direct mm -hmm. the new one. So what was she mad at you about? Uh, you know. I don't know. Never know. <laughs> I can't I still don't know to this day. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I, she lived with that man for fucking decades. What the hell could you have done nothing. to piss her off? Nothing, because he was a maniac. No doubt. Did Richard, you read that fucking book? The yeah. the the Scott Saul book? The I one, haven't read that one all. Oh, you gotta read it, dude. You gotta read it. Yeah, I'll give it to you if you want it. No, I got it. It's it's such of a big ass book. You'll run right through it though, man, if you love Richard because he does um he does a thing where he just takes it up until until the 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 movies, until he goes bad. He takes it up till about 1980 or whatever like the he goes through like maybe uh, Silver Streak and that's the end of it. So it's really Richard from the birth through him becoming Richard Pryor and then once it kind of levels off and he's just doing movies for money, he don't do that. Yeah, that's what the script is, though. The mm -hmm. script, this script that we have is sort of like that. I read Prior Convictions. Yeah, I got that. That's his book. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's written like a 10-year-old wrote it. The They're, Prior Convictions? Yeah, so it's almost sort of childlike in his, you know, in the way he yeah. sort of receives his past. So it's kind of a beautiful gotta book. got to read both books. You got to read that Scott Saul book because it'll give you some back, you know, that backstory. Yeah. Now, when you, okay, so so what was the audition process? You and Marlon okay now or are you not? I mean, you know, man. It, it is what it is. Yeah, it's the business, man. Yeah. You know, I, I actually did a cameo in Marlon's uh, meet this new movie that he just done, so. So you're all right. Yeah, we is cool. It? He's a gentleman about it. And what what was your audition process? What did you have to do? I mean, you know, I think 
I think I was picked to play Richard Pryor because I really believe in real life that, you know, um, you have people that are reincarnated through other people Mm -hmm. in some, some ways. I could never, ever claim to be as great as that man. But I think that my life has been parallel to his in many, many ways mm-hmm. with the drugs and, mm-hmm. you know, being in the streets, and, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of other comics and stuff, they just haven't been through what I've been through. So what was your experience with drugs outside um, of selling them? Done drugs. I've done everything. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've been an addict. I'm still an addict. Yeah. You know, but, um, the older I get, I manage to uh, taper off a little. Yeah. What's I, your drug? Everything. Weed. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm just doing weed now. Yeah? Yeah, I used to do a lot. A lot of coke? A lot of coke. Get up. Not to talk about. Man. <laughs> most of the movies you seen me in, I was high in. Shit. Oh, really? Yeah. I might be one of the actors that could do that and still be in, a movie, in an act. Yeah, and you wouldn't know it. I, I gotta imagine. I get, I look at me doing stand up on coke, and it's not good. I mean, Richard could do it, but I I'm one of those guys. My eyes go up. You know, yeah. My eyes go. Some yeah, guys, the mouth start moving. No, my my mouth doesn't move. Yours? No. Oh, so you you can hold it. I'm crazy as fuck though. <laughs> yeah. I'm crazy. What are you gonna do for the prior role? You gonna use? You gonna no. do? No. 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 When does that? I don't have to do that no more. Mm-hmm. I'm past that. You felt I'm, like you had to do it? Yeah, I'm an actor. Yeah. And I'm good at what I do. And um, Well, you did make some shift, you know, like I, I saw, uh, I watched uh, Bessie, and you were real sweet in that, man. I mean, that was some real acting. Thank you, man. And it, what? where did you, like, what is the process from, you know, knowing how to be big and funny to sort of, when? what was the first movie you did where you, like, you challenged yourself to, to not do that, and it was okay? It was a movie called Sparkle. Mm-hmm. I did with Whitney Houston. Oh man! And it was actually the movie she died in. So, but that was the first time I've ever done a role that was really like. And I I played a serious movie. What was it like working with her? It was great. Whitney Houston was such a great artist. And again, she's she you know so sad. Some of the best, some of the greatest artists in the world, they're troubled, man. Oh, I know just can't there's no way around it like it's almost like that's their sacrifice yeah well it's that deal what you were saying before is that you know when you realize your talent you know i think some people avoid their talent so that that doesn't kill them in a weird way you know you know what i mean like to really embrace your talent and and what that means sometimes it's you know it's a hard thing to hard road it is man it's she died during that movie yeah really Mm mm-hmm did the movie come out? No, she died after the movie oh. came out. Oh, yeah. Did you guys become friends? Did you Did you feel that she was in trouble? Uh, you know. Yeah, I was dealing with my own shit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we connected. We definitely connected. Uh huh. And um, you know, I think she's one of the women that like real things. She likes real people, and I do too. So, yeah. But she was a great person, man. Great artist. Great person, and. One day I was on the set, and um, I walked past her trailer, and Michael Jackson was playing, and she was in there singing with him. Sound like him and her was in that trailer. 
Wow. It's crazy. So you did Sparkle, and that made you know that you could do it. Yeah, I did a lot of other roles, though. I did, uh, my first movie I ever done was with Vin Diesel mm-hmm. called Strays. Yeah. And uh, Vin Diesel wasn't a star. I wasn't doing shit. I think the budget on the movie was a hundred grand. But that was a straight role? Yeah. And you, you nailed it? Killed it. Yeah. And does, is that movie out? Did you can you see it? Yeah, you can find it on. You know, it's so it's so bizarre to me though. Like so many of these uh, of these roles are like cab driver, criminal. <laughs> you do doing the side pieces. I done it all, bro. Yeah, I done it all. I I was in Bernie Mac's last movie before he died, called Soul Man. Him and right. yeah, Isaac yeah. Hayes. Yeah, yeah. So I was literally standing there with those guys, and then they went away. You know, both of them. Bernie was a uh, he was great. He was a beast. Did you like watching that guy? Yeah, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. He was real. Yeah, yeah, he was. You know, and that's the thing. You know, you got to be real. Yeah. What kind of stand-up are you doing? Uh, talking about my baby mamas, talking about Obama, talk about everybody. Yeah. I talk about a little bit of everything. Talk how's, about myself. How's the draw now? You selling tickets good? I, you know, I do all right. 2,500 people. That's good. Yeah, that's it. That's the that's the max in the big cities. Uh, well, I could do I could do up to I used to do I used to do Kevin Hart numbers years ago when I when I when I first got it going. You know, yeah. I used to do fourteen fifteen thousand people. It's hard to hold that, I guess. Yeah, you can't hold that shit forever. So your folks still around? Yeah. How are they feeling about you? They loving it. Yeah, they loving it. They 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 love it. Um, they must be happy that you made it out of the shit. Yeah, I, you know that's the thing. My mother and father, they're like, uh, it's so hard for them to give me a compliment because they know who the hell I am. Right. You know, I do. It's like, why do you think that is? How though? do I praise you when I know who you really are? Like, you but know? don't they think that you, you? They don't think you changed, or you don't think you changed, or they still see that you're. Eh, I don't think I was a favorite. You know, yeah, it's like well, you're in trouble. I yeah, I can't start kissing a guy's ass because he becomes successful when he was never my favorite. Yeah, with both of them. Yeah, if I think I, they. If I think they they would if they had a choice, they would have wanted one of my other brothers to be in my position, not me. Ah, oh, that's fucking hard though. Right? I've always been a rebellious person, man. I've always been radical. Yeah, crazy, rebellious. But they, but you, do you sense that they're proud of you? Yeah. Oh yeah. But they're they're a little withholding. They're like, you're gonna get in trouble. Yeah. They. they it's just, only a matter of time. Yeah. They've been waiting on that shit for twenty years now. So I told them you can forget it. <laughs> I still get in trouble every now and then. I'm on TMZ for bullshit, but nothing serious. Oh yeah. What happened? Nothing. I mean, you know, like they like the shit in Phoenix. I mean, you know, it's always that wasn't even you. That was just a bad crowd. That okay. Some... Well, guess what. My name was all over the internet. They yeah. didn't put nobody. They didn't put the victim's name. They didn't put nobody sitting in the audience's name. They said Mike Epps. It's so it's so fucked up, dude. Because like I looked at that thing and I'm like, oh, that's like that's just a bad night at a comedy club. Yeah, why would you put my name in it? Well, they they wanted because it was at my show. Yeah, some guy snapped. But that ha- used to happen. But you know that shit used to happen all the time before this fucking internet. Yeah. I mean, we used to have to deal with that. It's just comedy. It's just is comedy. There, is some guy going to... Would someone take care of this shit? Where's the bouncer? 
And that was it. But now you can't do anything with any. They product. actually tried to kick him out, and I didn't let him before the show. Before you the got shit jumped off. All oh, right. You were like, we're cool. I was Everybody like, let cool. him enjoy it. Yeah. But he started fussing with someone in the audience. Oh, that guy, he's got a chip on his shoulder. And it turned into one one thing led to the next. So. And then you just, you, you travel with a lot of guys? One guy. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And he steps in? No, he didn't have nothing to do with it. But like, is he there just to sort of like make sure you don't get fucking in we trouble? We use the, the, the club security. That's their job. Right. You know, I can't stand on stage and protect myself too. It's, it's fucking horrible to have you to worry I mean? about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. that shit is like... You just never know where you, it's going. Yeah, you don't know who's coming in the club. That's know, the thing. Never. And comedy clubs, they don't pat people down. They don't give them breathalyzers. They just set them down and they, you know, be who they are. But it's, a good comedy club bouncer knows when someone's fucked up. They can tell you, like, that dude, you know, and you know it, too. You know when you look at an audience and you get a feel for it when the opener's on, you're like, that table, that's going to be a problem. Man, I go through it all the time. <laughs> And you know what I usually do? I'm like, hey. And they're like, you what? I'm like, look where the light is pointing at. Yeah. Yeah, it's me. It's my show. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. They don't know, man. They did, Like, I taped a special in Chicago, and some woman's like, I want to take a picture with you. <laughs> in the middle of the your middle, shit. Yeah, in the middle of the... I'm like, what if... What like, you, bitch, shut what up. If, what, is, what do you think is going on here? This is not the... the it's alcohol. It's all alcohol. They're just like all fucked up. They and they're just looking at Ray, you. Huh? Yeah. And they're just looking at you and like, it's just me and that guy. And I'm just going to do this now. They don't care about 900 people. No, they people. don't give a fuck. So what is this, the, the show, The Survival uh, Survival Remorse? Survivor's Remorse, yeah. this is a show that um, uh, executive produced by LeBron James. And it's loosely based off of him. Mm-hmm. Him and his friend Maverick. Um but it's on stars. It's a good show. I'm playing an uncle again. <laughs> you know, I used to play cousin down at my uncle all the time. And uh, <clears throat> it's a good show, you know, because it, it touches on, um, it's about an athlete. Yeah. And it it touches on the things that athletes go through. Right. And they call it survivor's remorse because that's what it is. It's like, it's about a guy who survived but he's remorseful for people who didn't survive around him. But survived is, what? The, uh, the streets, upbringing, whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever was unfortunate oh, yeah. for him. Right, right. Now that he's successful, yeah. there's this baggage of friends and... Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, we're just talking about it. Yeah. That shit is real, man. Yeah. Do you have it? Yeah. I got survivor's remorse. I, love, I, I People come at me all the time about money and shit, man. I'm like, dude... If I give you all my money, I ain't going to have shit. Yeah. You know, and I tell people all the time, like, like my brothers, I, 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 I'm I, like, dude, I told you yes a hundred times. And on the hundred and first time, I said, no, you got mad? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like shit. I what about your folks? They ask you for money? My mother and father? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't feel too bad about giving them money. No, you got to give them money, right? That's yeah. Kinda, yeah. Mom, I give her money all the time. Yeah. The only sad thing about that is, is they, they take my money and give it to other people. The other siblings? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, uh, when I leave, yeah, my other brothers pull up. Yeah. Because they know I gave my mom something. Well, what kind of business are they in? Are they, are they, are they doing all right or they're not? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't live here. They live still in Indianapolis. Yeah, with her. Oh, really? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so your folks aren't together? Yeah, no, nah, mother and father not together. Yeah, 
You talk to your old man though. Yeah, I yeah. talk to him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You I'm old... so much like him. I can't deal with him all the time. We, it's like two people talking to themselves. It's hard, right? Yeah. When you see like because. There's that part of you, the things that you get pissed off at them about, you're like, oh, it's just me. It's you. Yeah. And he does the same shit to me. Uh, I'm like, dude, don't get mad at you. <laughs> so they survive, so it's already, it's on stars, right? It's so, on stars. And it's already been running for a few few episodes. Yeah, and people really like the show, man, because it's, we touch on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Sex related, uh, money wise. I mean, violence, everything is in this show to some degree, but it's a comedy. Mm -hmm. Have so. you ever been in a situation in a comedy club where there was real, like, real violence, real threat? Yeah, this past, when I was in Phoenix, it was, that was pretty rough. It got pretty ugly? I didn't yeah. watch a video. No, yeah. yeah. But there was no guns? No. No. Well, that's good. <laughs> no, I've never been in a comedy club and it got shot up. Yeah, that yeah <laughs> yeah. All right, so when's the when's the prior movie start tape shooting? We go in pre production in January, and then um, we start filming in April. And how many years of his life is it gonna span? Mm, I think we start off as a kid. We end a little bit after the fire. Oh really? Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have to a lot of haircuts. I don't know how they're gonna do this, but uh, right, yeah. they're gonna have a hell of a stunt man. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna go through the fire, you're gonna go through shooting up the car. Yeah, you're gonna go through all those bits, all yeah. those wives. Yeah, you can go through the first wife. You know, you got, you got the one wife, Richard Pryor Jr.'s mother, and then you, did you meet that guy, Richard Pryor Jr.? Yeah, yeah. I used to know him back at the comedy store. Is he yeah. all right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really deal with the kids too much because they're like biased about who should play their dad. I'm like, I have to tell them all the time. I'm just an actor for hire. I'm yeah. not personally embedded in your family. Is Rain been in touch with you? Uh, not in a good way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, man, it, it gets touchy, man. You know, with that. I, I'm just an actor for hire. I don't. Right. But they also have their own relationship to this father that might have abandoned them or they didn't have a relationship with. All that yeah, stuff. Is I don't get in that shit. So what are you going to, now, in your mind, like, you, maybe you'll read the Scott Saul book, but what are you going to do, how do you prepare? Like, how do you start this fucking thing? Well, you know, the beauty of it is, is that I'm from the Midwest, he's from the Midwest. Yeah. I grew up in crap houses, been around hoes and pimps and... Yeah. It's not going to be a hard stretch for me. To know the world. To know the world. Now, what people are expecting, I have no control over. Of course. But I'm not there to do an impression of Richard Pryor. I'm doing Mike Epps as Richard Pryor. Interpreting. Yes. But you do, like, do you do... I want to do what Jamie did with Ray. Yeah, that was tricky. Because, like, it's very easy to do a caricature. But, like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do an imitation. Well, no, I, I think that, like, he, he, of course you don't want to. You know, and but you don't want to, you know, appear that way either. You know, because Ray with the, you know, with the sunglasses and everything else. I mean, it'd be very easy to make that impression, but he put that emotional depth in there. He did. But you're gonna do a little work on trying to get the, the delivery and shit, right? No, I got it. I got the diction and. Um, uh huh. Listen to those records. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have to embody them. Yeah. So I, the great thing is, I've always been a fan. So. 
it's not like I'm tapping into somebody that I don't know. Right. This is somebody that I've studied for years. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw the first Richard Pryor movie? Uh, Live in concert? Like, how old are you? I'm 45. So you're probably like, I saw it in high school, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I didn't. Life changer. Yeah. You know what's really crazy is that Eddie Murphy was really, really from my era. That was the guy. Eddie Murphy was my era. Raw and Delirious? Saturday Night Live, yeah. But Richard Pryor was someone that I also knew about. Three, did you go through Eddie and then then to Pryor? Like did Eddie, like, No, I knew about Richard before Eddie. Right? Yeah. I did. But you didn't watch him. It wasn't your no. generation, right? No, Eddie was my generation. Yeah. He was so fucking funny, man. He was crazy. Do you know him? Yeah. You guys are like uh, your friends? Has he talked to you about Richard? Yeah, he's he's going to play Richard's father in the movie. Really? Buck, yeah. Buck was a fucking hard dude. Yeah. That's a serious role. Yeah. I think Eddie can do it. Of course he can. He's a good actor. He is a good actor. He doesn't want to be funny right now. Nah. What do you think you think do you think that one day he's just gonna come out and be really fucking funny again? I don't know. Hard to tell. Because I talked to somebody that talked to Arsenio who said they hang out and they write jokes all the fucking time. Yeah, stand-up is... is Once you leave that shit, get to his position, you don't want to do that shit again. That shit is... It's what? too personal, man, standing in front of people and shit. Really? You think that's it? Yeah. It gets too personal. It gets like, okay. And I guess once your life gets that large where nobody can relate to it... Yeah. How are you going to talk about it? Yeah, I don't have shit to say. Well, you know, to to the audience, where are you going to get up on stage and go like, my Ferrari's in the shop again? Some bullshit. <laughs> Everybody's sitting out there with a stanza and shit, listening to you talk about your rich problems. It, do, it doesn't fare well, does it? It doesn't. Who else is in the movie? Oprah Winfrey's playing the grandmother. Oh, she was important. That's another hard role. Yeah. She was running the, the whorehouse. Yeah. That's a big cast. Yeah, man. Have you guys started reading or anything? Doing uh, anything? Making deals. Oh, that's it? Still negotiating? Yeah. And you're just doing stand-up and Uncle Buck? And Uncle Buck. For what network? ABC. Does it look good? Is it funny? Yeah. I Who mean, are? you know, for whatever it's worth, I can't really be Mike Epps the way I want to be Mike Epps, but I can still be funny because, I mean, you know, we still this is for children. What, are you doing everything you want to do? Is there something you want to do? What's What do you really want to do? I mean, playing Richard Pryor, that seems like a top of the hill kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, ain't nothing else. That's, that's it? it? Yeah, that's it. And After think- I do that, I'm done. I mean, when I say I'm done, is hey, I did it. Right. But yeah. you'll keep going. You got yeah, to, yeah. I'm sounds going- like you got a lot of relatives that need money. Yeah. I got to keep working for these assholes. <laughs> and your kids. Yeah. And you just keep doing stand-up? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm tired of doing stand-up. I got a special coming out on Netflix called Don't Take It Personal. Yeah. December 18th. And that's a, that's your swan song? That's it? That's, that's the end of the stand-up? For right now, you know. That's it. I did it. Do you ever think about producing or doing anything on that end? Yeah, I, I've been producing a couple of things. You know, I got a couple of films I'm trying to produce right now. and uh, I got a movie called Not So Mr. Nice Guy that I'm doing. Yeah? Yeah. And that's something you wrote? Yeah, wrote produce probably star in after richard pryor i'll be able to pick and choose a little more right yeah and what about music dude uh, i did a little music here and there 
I've yeah, had songs I, out, but I, it was just for fun, you know? Yeah. It was like, I think every artist at some point starts, they start flirting with music, doing music. Sinbad's all about music these days. Yeah. Yeah, I had him in here. He's like, that's he'd, he'd rather be doing all music, I think. Eddie Murphy, too. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I remember he sang. Still, he's singing? He, do, he did some reggae song. It's pretty good. Oh, really? Recently? Yeah. yeah. What is that? Like, I play guitar, too, but I wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. I think they just, both of them compliments each other. You know, music, people in music want to be funny, and people that's funny want to do music. I think that's true. How how many, uh, how old's your oldest kid? 22. What's he doing, or she? It's a daughter. She's working. She does makeup. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And you get along with all of them? All of them. That's good. Yeah. I haven't always, but, you know, that's kid-parent relationships. Tricky, right? Yeah, they heal. Yeah? You think you're a better parent than your parents? I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think none of us was shit. And where are you going on stand-up for? Where are you going next for stand-up? Rutgers University. I do colleges. Rutgers? In yeah. New Jersey? So my, bro- my father went there. Wow. You do colleges? Sometimes. Aren't they hard? Nah. The kids don't want to. They just want you to talk about people. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they don't give a fuck. But you got to keep it level, right? You got to keep it clean? Not really? Not really. Yeah? I mean, come on, man. All the naked women and shit on Instagram, and I got to go in front of some students and talk clean? Please. Do they tell you that, though? Yeah, some colleges, they try to tell you that shit, but I still curse and shit kids want to hear dirty shit they don't want to hear right. that clean shit yeah that's true you ever get any flack uh, nah. not really nah alright buddy it's good talking to you man man I love you Mark I've been a big fan of yours man before I, I knew you before you before I met you so yeah well it's good do you feel okay about what we did here hell yeah yeah <laughs> you got anything you want to tell the people yeah I just want to tell all the fans thank you for supporting me and uh, all the ladies, it ain't your beauty, it's your booty. Uh-huh. And uh, keep supporting my man, Mark. Oh. I'm sitting here looking at Obama's cup. Did you like he, Obama? He had Obama in this yeah. damn garage. I can't believe it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Do, are, you, are you a fan? Have you met him? Yeah, I met him one time. Yeah? Where at? At the White House. You were over there? Yeah. I never been there. Yeah. They, what was that for? They asked me for my ID 30 times before I got to them. I'm like, dude, <laughs> the fucking warrant would have came up by now. <laughs> yeah. Why were you over at the White House? Um, My wife had us going over there for some shit. I don't remember. You don't remember why you were at the White House? Uh, some shit don't thrill me. Uh-huh. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's just something you got to do. Yeah. Was he? Did you have a, a moment with him? Was he a nice guy? Or? Shook his hand. He said he liked Survivor's Remorse. Oh, okay. So it was recently. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough, right? Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, good luck with everything. Thank you, Mark. Okay, man, women, children, whoever's in the car. That's it. That's my conversation with Mike Epps. Please go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Am I dreaming? Am I going to wake up in L.A.? Has this whole thing been a fucking dream? It hurts behind my eye, and my tooth is a little hurty. Is that a sinus thing? Boomer lives! <laughs>